Good morning and welcome to the Daily Oz. It is Thursday the 19th of August. Today on the podcast, we have Sydney lawyer Lala Podelli. Lala has family stuck in Kabul at the moment and has extreme fears for her auntie, who is a doctor specialising in women's health. Her auntie is now in hiding and Lala is doing a lot of work in mobilising and stabilising Sydney's Afghan community. We had a chat to Lala yesterday about how her family is going, what she sees as the future for Afghanistan, and what here in Australia we and our government can be doing. Lala, thanks for joining us today. How are you going? Hi, Sam. It's been a tough time, I think, for most Afghans within Sydney. We're hanging in with a bit of hope to see what happens, but it's been a pretty hard week, I think, to see what's happened in Afghanistan and the people there. In a week like this, does the Sydney Afghan community come together and support each other? And what does that look like, especially seeing as though we've got COVID restrictions here? How have you been supporting each other? I think there's been a lot of groups that are formed with the intention of trying to get some proactive, I guess, some action or proactive steps taken by the Australian government. So in a way, we've all been kind of brainstorming and thinking of ways in which the government can assist Afghans back home. It's been really nice to speak to other people and people are quite emotional. And I think just to understand that it's a common feeling and you're not going through this alone, because I think, like you said, where you can't see people, it can be quite mentally draining and it can affect your mental health quite a bit. So it's been nice to have other people around you. There's been a lot of Zoom calls, different WhatsApp groups, people writing articles and asking for thoughts and it, yeah, it's, it's been a good time in that regard. And take me through your journey, your life. When did you get to Australia from Afghanistan? I was born in Kabul when I was about seven months old. My parents, my mum moved to Pakistan due to political reasons. My parents were part of a smaller group of kind of Maoist communist ideology. My mum moved mainly because I think that a lot of members in their group were being persecuted at the time. Uh, soon after, my dad moved to Pakistan with us. And I think when I was about one, he was actually killed in Pakistan. So we then lived in Pakistan and we went back and forth a little bit, but mainly lived in Pakistan. My mum had a job there at a hospital. And then in 1995, when I was five, my mum's uncle sponsored us to come to Australia and we got accepted. So we came here. And I guess ever since then, I've been, uh, I've clearly been raised here, educated here. And I've gone to Afghanistan back maybe three or four times now. And are you talking to anybody in Afghanistan this week? Yes, um, I've got family there and I've been speaking to, I've got an auntie and two uncles, like the most immediate family there, and just speaking to them just to see that they're okay. They're okay at the moment. <laughs> but my uncle was telling me today that, you know, his daughters haven't been sleeping. I think he's got two two daughters who are in, at university level and it's just such an unknown for their future and everything they've worked for. Just so many unknowns. Has there been anything that you've heard from your family in the way that they've described what it's like on the grounds there that's really stuck with you in the last few days? Yeah, I've heard it from my family. My aunties had to relocate. I've heard it from different people now and I've kind of read it in the media as well that they've got quite a lot of intelligence on who they're after and who lives where. So they've they're going around door knocking and looking for people. And if they can't find people, they're asking other people where those people are. So that really struck with me because I think if from what I've read, I mean, I didn't really experience anything related to like the Nazi regime, but it's almost similar where, you know, you've got people with a list looking out for you. They've been putting paint on doors, bright colors for people that they're supposedly going to return to. So hearing that, you know, really just makes you think then, 
once they are recognized or once the world stops caring, what will they do to those people? And that's a scary part because if you've taken over a government, you need to have some rule of law. You need to have some agreement to international laws, but you're not allowed to just go and nick people out of their home and do what you want. You know, you're, you're saying you've improved. You're saying you've become a better group or organization, but how is that any improvement? So today we heard in a really strange scenario, we heard a press conference from the Taliban and they basically said that they would be administering a less extreme way of life. Is it your sense that that's actually going to be the case with your family there? I have watched quite a bit of the media and the the things that they've been saying. The reality is the Taliban, even if they wanted to, couldn't be what they were in the 90s. The world is now a different place. You've got people on either sides of the world reporting live and anything like that, any kind of actions they previously had, they just cannot get popular support in that regard. I think that they are downplaying their actual intentions because they want the international community to recognize them. And a lot of what they're saying at the moment is to appease the international community because they know that if they don't get that acceptance, then essentially they're going to have sanctions on them. They're not going to be recognized. And it's going to be the same situation in the 90s where people are starving in Afghanistan because you've got the Taliban in power. So they've definitely wisened up a little bit, but they're not uneducated people. They're not people that have gone through a transformation and re-educated themselves. At the top level, I believe there's obviously some influence, but on a basic level, we're talking about people who've come from the south of Afghanistan, areas like borders of Pakistan, lack education, and now are supposedly going to run a country. I just do not see, in, in very simple terms, how their mentality would have changed significantly. Right. And is that the sentiment that you get when speaking to family on the ground in Afghanistan as well? Yeah, exactly. Everyone feels that they've been saying that, look, we're okay for now. But the fear is that if they get legitimized through recognition, then they're just going to do what they want. And who's going to be able to say anything? Really, no one. And tell me more about the plans for your family in Afghanistan now. I know that it is such a fast-moving situation and... A lot of our readers have been feeling very removed from and and a feeling of helplessness, if you will. What's the plan with them? And then to follow up with that, what are you doing in talking to government and what can be done? One of the groups that I kind of have joined earlier last week called Lobby for Afghanistan, we had a you know, one and a half hour meeting where we kind of had a bit of a discussion on what we think are the most important steps that need to be taken in relation to the situation in Afghanistan. Just briefly, we think that there should be an immediate humanitarian intake, similar to what Australia did with Syria and similar to what Canada and I believe now the UK has done to get people that are in, I guess everyone's in harm's way, but people that are directly through their political views, gender or any other, I guess the humanitarian ways affected to come to Australia. We think that there needs to be an increase in humanitarian aid because it is winter, I'd say at least three and a half million from what I've read, people internally displaced, which means Afghanistan being an agrarian community wouldn't have anyone now dealing with the farmland. There's going to be this winter, most likely severe famine. So that's number two. And then number three, we want a clear sanction against Pakistan for its involvement with the Taliban and no recognition of the current government or supposed government being the Taliban, because once they get legitimized, you're not going to be able to have women's rights or human's rights. And there shouldn't be any legitimacy of what they've done 
without hard and fast rules about what's going to happen and the future of people like women and children, ethnic minorities like the Hazaras who have been persecuted. So I guess just as a summary, that's what we what we want. We've reached out for different currently local members of parliament. We spoke with uh, Julian Lesser the other night, which was really good and it was nice to just kind of give him a brief down on what's happened on our end and what we think. There's another group of Australian Afghans who have prepared a letter to be sent to the PM with similar requirements, mainly focusing on humanitarian aid and humanitarian visa intake. So I think we're all on similar thoughts and wavelengths, but just different avenues that people are actually trying to reach out and make the Australian community informed. Sure, it'll be really interesting to see how that letter is received by our federal government. And we're listening really attentively to Prime Minister Morrison's evolving attitudes towards humanitarian intakes and refugees. Lala, I have a a final question for you. For the young Australian in their mid-20s who doesn't have involvement directly with the Afghan community, what can they be doing to help with what they're seeing on their social media feeds? One of the, I guess, key things that we, we'd like is just for there to be an increase in awareness of the issues. So there's a lot of links that are going around on social media where they're actually, you just put in, a letter's been prepared to inform the local MP. You put in your name, your you know email, your postcode, and it automatically sends it to your local MP. Because at the end of the day, these members of parliament will go to parliament and will raise these issues if the community is concerned. So that's a very important step. There's a range of organizations now that are setting up funding or, you know, charity, essentially uh, financial assistance for Afghanistan. We as a community have got a few set up and we're definitely donating, but the population of Afghans in Australia are quite limited. So if you can donate $5, it goes a really, really long way to Afghanistan. And I think that the final thing we'd like is for there to be pressure put on the current government with the legitimacy of the Taliban. You know, we want people to understand that this is not going to be a situation where, you know, they say something and they're going to follow it because just on a basic level, women's rights and what's happened. If you look at the Doha negotiations, which have occurred since Donald Trump, there's not been one female representative with the Taliban. You see everything they do, the media that took over the government, there's never any female presence. We're talking about 50% at least of a population that's going to be silenced. I guess just raising awareness of that and being aware what it actually means. Unfortunately, I've read some really sad things online on social media. It's their own war. They've spent so much money. They've got to deal with it themselves. I understand all of that. There is a level of corruption in the government that people can't deny. But at the end of the day, the poor people there haven't contributed to that. You know, they just are in the midst of this. They don't have an option. Lala, thank you for your time. We really desperately hope that your family on the ground is is okay. And we hope that Australia pulls behind you and the Afghan community. Thank you so much. That's all for our chat with Lala, but head over to our Instagram where we've got some complimentary content that expands on Lala's story and draws out some of the key issues that she highlighted. We're continuing to work through the crisis in Afghanistan with you as our readers, and we welcome all questions and things you want us to explore. We are here on this topic together. Have a great day.